Lord, you're worthy. God, we thank you that you are amazing in every single way. God, we thank you that there's none like you. That you are above the seas and above the stars and above the heavens. Who is man that you are mindful of us? We serve an amazing, amazing God. We thank you for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Everybody say amen. Amen. You got a hand clap praise. Thank you, worship team. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. 316 family, how are we doing? Everybody good? Amen. 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 It's good to see all you guys. I'm so super pumped um, for today. Um, so pumped for what God has for us today. Let me go ahead and pray over the tithes and offering. Let me not delay, and then we're going to get right into this word. If you want to give, you're more than welcome to give right here, or you can give online, um, and you can uh, text to our online app. Uh, pretty soon, you won't have to text. We'll actually have an app. I can't wait till that comes out. We'll roll that out pretty soon. It's going to be really awesome. Um, but if you want to give that way, you're more than welcome to give that way as well. Let me pray for your offering. I thank you for every person that gives. Your finances and money does not go unnoticed. Um, it has such an impact for the kingdom. It is doing so many things that you're not even worried about, but it's just beautiful. It's beautiful. So let me pray over your offering. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for each and every person that has a desire to give and wants to give, who is faithful with their giving. I thank you for those who could not give today but still have a desire in their heart. And God, I just pray that you bless them. So I pray a blessing over everyone's finances as they give, um, as they sow into the kingdom. They're going to reap a greater reward um, tenfold, fiftyfold, a thousandfold. God, I just pray over that and bless that offering. It goes on good ground. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, 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 amen. Good morning, everybody. I'm super pumped for today. So we just got out of a series called Unexpected, Unexpected, um, as the offering bucket goes around. Uh, Unexpected was so good for me. Actually, I was planning on going five weeks of Unexpected um, on the lessons of the detour, but something happened last service. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Jude. Something happened last service that just changed everything when we started to talk about vulnerability. And we started talking about pride. And really what that began to lead us is into is what I've really been wanting to talk about for almost uh, three to four months, actually since sabbatical, um, actually since uh, me and my wife's anniversary, July 31st. It, I've been wanting to talk about this, and God just was like, it's now the time. And I'm going to be talking about cultivating the soul. Now, some of you guys were a part of um, Wednesday Bible study when we kind of did briefly. How many of you guys were there at Wednesday Bible study when we kind of just talked about perfect, just a few of you guys, awesome, um, as we talked about cultivating the soul. And I got to tell you, I just really believe that this is a powerful, powerful work if we begin to take it um, really and just take it in our hearts and let it sit in. And so the next month um, or so, we'll see how long we go in this, we're going to be going on a journey of doing some inward work. Yay! How many of you guys want to look inside yourself? Great. Nobody? Okay. But we're going to take a journey. We're going to be looking at doing some inner work in our lives. And But we really call this cultivating the soul, walking steps 
towards maturity. And we've been talking about that word maturity a lot, and we're going to just give a uh, quick overview of where we're at. So we're going to be starting this series, and the basis of this series, or the focus point of the series scripture is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and here's what it says. Um, that might be a little hard to read, but make sure you have your Bible app or get it out, and you can read it along with me. Here's what it says. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, and this is going to be the focus point um, of our scripture. Perfect. Here's what it says. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. That makes me excited. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of Jesus Christ. That doesn't make me so excited. <laughs> Let me read it one more time. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus. So I want to break this scripture down before we really jump into it, because I think this scripture is going to be the launching point for the rest of this series. But may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. Now, sanctify is another word in scripture for biblical terms for sanctification. Sanctification is the process of becoming holy. Okay? Sanctification, let me say again, is the process of becoming holy or set apart. How many of you guys know it's a process to be more like Jesus every day? That it's a process every single day. I mean, the scripture talks about work out your what? Salvation. This is what it's talking about when it says work out your salvation. It's the process of becoming holy. I like to say it. I like to say that this. It's taking steps towards Jesus every single day. Taking steps towards Jesus every single day. And a beautiful thing about taking steps towards Jesus means you're taking steps away from something else. So if I'm caught up in sin, my problem or my focus shouldn't necessarily be focused all on the sin. My focus should be taking steps towards Jesus every single day. And the closer I get to Jesus, because Jesus is holy, and God is holy, 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 which means he's perfect, he's holy. The closer I get to holiness means the closer I am to being holy. So sanctification is the process of becoming holy, of taking steps towards Jesus every day. So may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. Now look at this verse. It says, through and through, through and through, through and through. What does that mean, Lord? You want to sanctify, sanctify me through. Yeah, I get that. But it says through and through. What's that mean? He said, I don't want to just sanctify a part of you. I'm going to go through you and all the way through you. We're going to go all the way, your whole entire being. God's desire is for your whole entire being to be sanctified. Have you ever thought about that? Man, I just thought that God was just worried about my salvation once I get saved. And God is like, again, I use this illustration on a Wednesday night. If I'm over here, if say I'm on this side and I'm in sin and I'm, I'm, I'm living a life because I, we've all committed sin. We've all been born in sin. I'm born into sin. That means no matter what, I'm going to be the, the total uh, damnation. It's what my soul desires. 
until I meet Jesus. And then all of a sudden I'd get Jesus and I'd step over across the line. And now I've stepped across the line and I receive salvation. And so that's great. But the only problem is when I stepped across the line, nothing else changed except for my position, which is a big deal. Your position changed. You're no longer going to a place of damnation, but you're going to the kingdom and you're back one with the Father. But the only thing that we got to work on is that my mind hasn't changed, my heart hasn't changed, my body hasn't changed. Guess what? Well, I'm just my position and change, but then our process of becoming holy and sanctification. And God says, I want to work on you and sanctify you. I want everything in you to go through and through. I want the sanctification process, not just the limit to your spirit. I want it to work through your whole body your soul and spirit. That's what the next part says. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless or be made blameless at the coming of Jesus. I don't know, but that's a lot of pressure. <laughs> I'm just trying to, trying to make sure, you know, I keep my, my spirit in line. I'm just trying to keep my spiritual game in line. But he says, I don't want that to just be sanctified. I want to come and sanctify your body your soul, and your spirit. I want the sanctification process to go through and through you. I don't want to just limit at one area. I want your whole entire being to be made back one with me. I want you to walk in maturity. Maturity. And he, and, he, and he says this, maturity. He uses the word maturity in a couple different areas. But one area is when he's talking about the, the, the dynamics of the church and how we should function at church. And it gets in Ephesians 4, 11 and 13. Let me set this foundation and we'll jump right in and everything will make sense. Here's what it says. And he gave God the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up, um, building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to, uh, to measures of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed and fro by the waves and waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitfulness, by schemes. Rather speaking the truth and love, we are to grow and to become in every respect the mature body of Christ or the mature body of him who is the, who is the, who is the head into the Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So what's this saying? God gives uh, apostles, prophets, teachers, shepherds, evangelists, all those things to equip us to allow us to walk towards maturity. Now, what does the word maturity mean? In the Greek, the word maturity means what? wholeness. To be completely whole. Maturity is not uh, an age. Oh, when I'm 72, then I finally reach the age of maturity. Maturity is not a knowledge base. Oh, when I can recite the whole encyclopedia, I can be more mature. Maturity is not even your scripture knowledge base. Oh, let me quote this scripture, quote this scripture, this scripture, this scripture at you. I know so much scripture. That is not a definition of your maturity. Maturity is, the, is, is, is becoming 
whole. It's the word redemption. Meaning that there's some stuff in some areas in our lives because we've allowed things to come in where there's some voids in our lives, there's some brokenness in our lives, and there's some things in our hearts and our lives that just, ah, that we really don't want to ever work out. But God says, I desire to fill that void. I desire to heal that brokenness on the inside. I desire that your whole being, your body, your soul, and your spirit be made whole. So how do you tell someone who's mature, someone that can walk, like we talked about last week, in their own skin? Someone that can really say, yeah, I struggle with this, but God has redeemed me. One, someone that is secure, <laughs> secure in who they are. God says, I desire you to be made whole. Man, isn't that a different way of looking at maturity? Looking at the maturity, to be made whole? To be made whole. So, so in John 3, 1 and 2 says this, Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that you all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along. Even as your soul prospers. Your soul prospers. I really think the key to maturity or the real work that we really got to do has to do the work with the soul. The work with the soul. I'm a soul man. Dun, 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 dun. It's young folks don't know nothing about that. I got it from my daddy. I got it from my dad. Soul work. To do the soul work. So we're going to talk about cultivating the soul during this series. Walking steps towards wholeness. Walking steps towards maturity. God desires that he doesn't leave you as infants that you will no longer be tossed by the waves, tossed by this issue, tossed by that problem, and everything, your emotions and your spiritual being go along with the circumstances. He says, I don't want you to be, I don't want you to be led by your circumstances. I want you to be led by the Spirit and walk towards maturity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much that you're bringing this work to us. And God, I know this is a lifelong journey that we're getting ready to dive in. But God, help us, help us just to recognize it and help us begin the work, the work of the soul, God. And we just thank you so much for who you are. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the other week, I was watching um, our, our another TV show. <laughs> uh, watching the last TV show I was watching was Marriage at First Sight. And I got on as I'm sitting there saying, it's the worst show ever. I got myself watching it. Like, I'm like watching every episode with my wife now. Like, oh, he's not ready for her. He's not ready for her. He's not, fo- he's not serious about this marriage. Oh, she's playing game. I got myself like me and my wife going back and forth. I'm like, try- I'm like the ultimate marriage reader. So I know like if they're going to make the get-go when they first match them together, and I'm just like, anyway, so we're watching the show. Here's another show um, that you may know of. It's called Hoarders. <laughs> How many of you guys seen this show? Yeah, Hoarders. Okay, so this show started in 2006, and this show, boy, um, I want to be really sensitive because this is a real thing. This is a real thing. Um, and, and, and hoarding, if you ever struggle with it or know anything about it, man, it is a real thing. Like, I'm watching this show, and I'm just like, 
I'm like, ready to go. <laughs> I'm just feeling all types of stuff going on. But hoarding, hoarding, um, it was American reality TV show, and that the real-life struggles and treatments of people who suffer from a compulsive hoarding disorder. That was the focus of the show, and the show is where people have a hard time letting go stuff. And there's some emotional attachments to it, and there's things going, and to the point where all their stuff that they've collected is overtaking their house, their yard, and even more than that, it's overtaking relationships. Think about it. Relationships are affected because of all their stuff. I mean, if you were the son or the daughter of one of these uh, individuals, you wouldn't be able to bring friends over. You'd be insecure about bringing friends over or people over. And it would just be, it would be, in, it would be crazy. We had a friend in high school who actually, parents struggled with this disorder. And we got invited over to the house one time. And I got to say, it was... Um, an awakening for me to see people that kind of live like this. And I was so sad in my heart because I could feel the shame that she was feeling about having us over. And as we're walking through stuff and there's a little lane for boxes to walk through and all these different things and all these things are going on and, and the whole house is filled with stuff. I mean, there's strong attachments Strong attachments when they try to give. When they try to, you know the show, when they try to actually take away from something and they begin to negotiate why they should keep this. And it's, there's so much attachment. I mean, there's emotional attachments to things. There, there's a mental reaction that happens. I mean, all this stuff. There's even a physical thing that manifests that you can just see that takes place. And they outwardly cry and are just disappointed about throwing away a, a 20-year blanket. That might be filthy, dirty, but to them it had meaning. And, and, and they walk people through taking away and getting rid of all this stuff. All this stuff that you might think is just, ah, nasty. All that stuff. And you might even, some of you, I know when I watch the show, sometimes I even prejudge people. And I'm just like, I can't believe they live like this. I can't. I mean, I can smell the, t the, the smell through the TV. And I'm just like, oh, I can't believe they live like this. I'm like really judging. But really, if you think about it, I want to point out to you today, my whole goal is to let you know today that you're also a hoarder. <laughs> Yay, Pastor Kim's going to let me know I'm a hoarder. <laughs> Yay. At the same time, I'm judging these people. The Lord hit me. Man, Cam, that's you on the inside. That's you on the inside. The only difference is that everyone can see there is externally. But you're hoarding stuff. You're hoarding stuff. And the goal of the show is no matter how hard the process is, but to bring to the hoarder's attention that there is a problem and they need to be able to work through it. So my whole goal today is to let you know that you have a problem and you've been ignoring it so, so long that it even be smells. That it, there's physical emotions that come with it. But I'm letting you know, you can't ignore it any longer. We need to deal with it. We need to deal with it. So hoarding, we call the TV show hoarding. Scripture would call this an unplowed field. That's the definition for hoarding in Scripture. Scripture calls hoarding an unplowed field. Here's what Proverbs 21 and 4 says. This. It says this, 
haughty eyes and a proud heart, the unplowed field of the wicked produce sin. Haughty eyes, it's another word for uh, proud eyes, and a proud heart is called an unplowed field. An unplowed field produces sin. What is an unplowed field? An unplowed field is, is something that has not been taken care of and has outgrown the environment that is in. The, 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 the whatever it is, is outgrown the natural environment. To the point where nothing else can grow. So here's the problem. We lack the fruit of God in our lives. When I say we lack the fruit, when I say fruit, it means evidence that God is working in your life. We lack the evidence that God is working in our lives because we are unwilling to do the work of plowing from within. We are unwilling to do the work of plowing within. So therefore, we have what we call an unplowed field. An unplowed field. An unplowed field. So we have to do some work, right? We know that scripture. We got faith, but do, you have, but do we lack works? The scripture, James 2 and 17 says, faith without works is what? Dead. So what is, what is the work of cultivating? What does it mean to cultivate? What, what does it mean? It means to plow up in the natural. It means to plow up, to, to get dirty, to, to flip over un, uh, unturned ground, to get your hands dirty and get the machines and actually do some hard work of, of getting the ground ready so that something can grow in it. That means to cultivate. What does this mean spiritually? What is cultivating? Cultivating is this. Real faith is your belief system working together with your actions. That your belief system is working together with your actions. It's doing the hard work to create a space, an environment where what you believe can easily begin to move in your actions. There's a disconnect there sometimes. There's a disconnect. Paul says this, oh, ranchet man that I am, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, I do. Oh, ranchet man I am. Has anyone ever been a part of that battle? <laughs> what I, what I, don't cuss her out. Just be nice. Just say something nice to her. Don't cuss her out. Just say something nice to her. Just say, hey, how are you? I don't care. And it just comes out. <laughs> You've been waiting for it the whole time. What I, and you're like, oh, dang it, dang it. I did not want to do that. And it, and it goes back to what I believe needs to come through through my actions. But there's that disconnection. So the question becomes, what does your field look like? What does your field look like on the inside? What does your field look like? What is your field? And have you plowed your field lately? Have you plowed your field lately? Have you done an assessment of your field? Have you plowed it lately? So before we go too deep in that, we need to understand something. We need to understand if we're going to cultivate the soul, then we need to know how the soul works. 
we need to know how the soul works. And this is where it comes fun for me because I'm a, a, a word geek and a Bible geek. But we need to learn how the soul works. It might not be fun for you. I was like, <laughs> but we need to understand how the soul. Because if you can understand how something works, then if any problem happens, you can fix it. Like I envy those who know how the car works. I do not know how the car works, which is why when something breaks, I spend a lot of money to someone who knows how to fix it. <laughs> or I call my dad and say, how do you do this again for the 5,000th time? Because I don't understand how the transmission is hooked to this, <laughs> and the engine goes here and all that. I don't understand how the car works, but if I spend some time, they try to teach us in driver ed, and I was like, no, no. <laughs> if, I <laughs> if I spend some, just teach me how to drive the car. I don't care how it works. <laughs> but because I don't care how it works is the problem. It is the problem. So, my point, we need to know how the soul, body, and spirit work. We need to know. As believers, this is one of the things we should know. Whoop, almost tripped. This is one of the things we should know. We should know how this function works. Because depending on how well you know this, depending on the success rate for you to work out your salvation and finish strong. Finish strong. How many of you want to finish the race strong with Jesus? I mean, you didn't come this far just to fall off right now. That You just didn't want to go halfway to the halfway line. Man, I want to finish strong. No matter when the Lord calls me home, I want to know that I know that I gave my all for the Lord, and I want to finish strong to the end. So how does the soul work? The first thing you need to know is just like the Trinity, the Trinity is three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are also built three in one. We are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. We are spirit, we are soul, and we are body. All right, so let's talk about the spirit. The spirit word for Greek is, is funu, funu, funua. The Bible describes this as the inner man. The inner man. The inner man. The inner man. Soul in the Greek word for Bible is psyche. The Bible describes this as the outer man. The soul is described as the outer man. Outer man. And the body, soma in the Greek word, the Bible describes this as the outermost man. Outermost man. So the soul is the outer man, the body is the outermost man, and the spirit is is the inner man. And so the spirit, we know the spirit is um, where we commune with God, where we connect with God, where we receive peace of God, where we receive revelation, and we, we see all this. And we know the body, the body is what? Our senses. Our body is our senses. What we, what we, our sight, our hearing, our touch, our taste, our smell, so senses can be broken down in three categories. See, hear, and feel. That's your body. What you can see, what you can hear, and what you can feel. And here's the trick. The soul, the soul is the mediator between the body and spirit. And I know we're going a little deep here, but just bear with me. This is good stuff if you catch a hold on to it. 
The soul is the mediator between the body and the spirit, meaning the soul holds these things together. It's in between both of them. It's in between. It's in between. And so the soul is the mediator. The soul is the most dangerous part of our life. It's it's the most dangerous part of life. The spirit is not our problem when it comes to struggles. Because the spirit is already filled with the Lord. If you're born again. The spirit is not your problem. Because the soul dictates what the spirit receives. The soul dictates dictates what the spirit receives. Your body is not your problem. Because your body is nothing but dirt. God created you out of dirt. And an outer frame. That's not your problem. The key to the enemy's battle is that he loves to attack your soul. He is after your soul. And a lot of times we miss that because we think certain things are just, oh, no, it's a lot. But really, everything the enemy desires to do comes attack against your soul. That he will use any platform to get to your soul. He's not after your spirit because, you know, the spirit is God himself and he knows he can't compete with that. He's not after your body because your body is going to be gone and passed away. It's going to, after this life is over, your body ends up in the ground or you're cremated or whatever. So it just returns ashes to ashes, goes back to dirt. What he's really after is he's competing for your soul, your soul, your soul. And so what is the soul? The soul is this. The soul is your will, your mind, and emotions. That's what the soul is. It is your will, your mind, and your emotions. Those three things right there, that is what the soul is made up. If anyone says anything, man, my soul longs for you, O Lord, in Scripture. My soul longs. What is he saying? My will longs for you. My mind longs for you. And these emotions that I have, they long for you. My soul. Your soul is the will, the mind, and emotion. So here's how it works. The soul receives from the senses. What's the senses? What I can touch, what I can hear, what I can feel. And deposits into the spirit. The soul receives from the senses and deposits it into the spirit. And also, here's another thing. The soul also determines what the spirit receives. Because it goes from the senses to the soul, from the soul to the spirit. And the spirit reveals through the soul to the body. So, let, like, I know that's a lot. Let's make it practical. Let's make a sense. This is the battle that you're facing every single day. Every single day. What we, where's what it has, how, how it happens. We receive information, right? We receive information. We hear it or we touch it and we receive information. That information from our senses goes straight to our soul. Goes straight to the soul. Then from there, from there, the soul takes this information that it received from the body, which is the senses, 
and it takes it to the Spirit. When the Spirit gets it, it receives from the soul, and the Spirit has to deal with that information. Is this good making sense? Making sense? Okay, let's let's bring it practical. Let's bring it practical. Let me have a couple volunteers, and let's do it the old-fashioned way. Let's have a couple volunteers. Is there any volunteers up here that would? Uh, I just need three people. How about Sebastian, David? Come on up, and let's go. Gabe, you look so lovely today. I won't pick on you today. Is that okay? Can I pick on you or no? He's like, okay, whatever. <laughs> All right, Gabe, you're going to be the soul because I think you're a soul. Man, looking good. All right, so David, you're going to be the body. You're going to stand right here. Scoot over just a little bit. Okay, Gabe, you're going to be right here. Sebastian, you're going to be the spirit because I feel your spirit with Spider-Man shirt on, looking spirit, looking good. All right? So let's just say this is our information, our C, whatever. So it comes from this right here. So here's what we're going to do. We receive information. Maybe we heard it. Or maybe we saw it, whatever the information is. Boom, it goes from the body. The body receives it, and the body takes it to the soul. So it goes to the soul. So the soul says, oh, that's good information. So it's got, it's got the context like that. And it says, I need to go and take this to the spirit to see if it's righteous or unrighteous. So the soul takes it to the spirit. The spirit receives it. The spirit is like, hmm, that's righteous. Or it's like, mm, that's not righteous. That doesn't line up with what God is saying. And he takes it back to the soul and says, that's unrighteous. We ain't doing that. <laughs> right? That's what, that's what happens. That's what happens. And now the spirit goes, I need to take this back to the body. And it takes it back to the body and says, that's unrighteous. The spirit says, we ain't doing that. But then, oh, hold it. Nope, that's not what the body does. <laughs> that's what we want the body to do. Amen. That's right. Good. He says, when the body's in line, he says, Let's throw it, and we're done with it. That makes sense. That's how his body works. <laughs> the spirit says, no, it's no. But what happens is the body says, but it feels good. But it feels good. Although it's unrighteous. I know it's unrighteous, but it, the way it feels, it feels good. And it says, soul, don't you think it feels good? And it gives back to the soul. And his soul says, mm, it's unrighteous, but it does feel good. It feels real good in the soul. And so the soul is determining which one to do, which causes a what? A mental battle. I'm battling in my mind. I don't know what to do, and I'm struggling, and I'm taking it, and he takes it back to spirit. You don't have to take it back, but his spirit says, it's not good, it's not good, it's good, it's good, it's not good, and, it, and it's a struggle on the inside of the soul. That's why scripture says, Romans 10, 17, faith come by hearing, and hearing the word. What is hearing? That's a census. Faith come by hearing. So whatever I hear, when I hear the word, it develops my faith. Because it goes straight from the senses. But that principle lies hearing whatever you're hearing, your faith. So if you're hearing some stuff that is contrary to the word of God all the time, your faith gets developed in that. And another scripture talks about that the eyes is a body, is a gateway to the soul. William Shakespeare wrote that. <laughs> 
He said, your eyes is the gateway to the soul. It's so true because what? What are eyes? Eyes is a senses. So whatever I'm looking at and whatever I'm viewing all the time, it begins to develop my faith, which develops my condition of my soul. So what happens is the soul becomes the middleman, and the soul will do whatever the environment tells it to do. So what am I saying here? When the soul receives a lot of information and is trying to decide spirit in the body, he's going to be like, what does my environment tell me? Now, here's the thing. If you don't have an environment that is created around the Lord, it's going to reject it and say, I'm going to go do this. I'm out. We're doing this. And you go over here. Say, turn your back to the spirit. Sorry for touching you. Turn your back to spirit. It's sensitive times. <laughs> Help us, Lord. Healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> so you turn your back towards the spirit and you reject. You turn your back towards the spirit and you reject the spirit. And what are you doing to the spirit? You're starving the spirit, man. And the spirit man, the scripture says, it grieves. It grieves. It cries. That's what the spirit does. The spirit cries. It grieves because you're breaking God's heart. But the spirit man's a gentleman. It won't go and interrupt what your decision. It won't go fight. The spirit says, I'll wait until you're ready. I am patient. I am patient. I am patient. I am patient. So that is how information is received. This is how the soul works. So what's the most important thing in this scenario? Yeah, it's the soul. The soul matters. Give it a hand for these guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for the water. Sorry for touching you, Gabe. Thank you, Shug. I appreciate you, sir. Thank you, David. I appreciate you guys so much. So, so what you receive from the senses matters. What you're at matters. If, if the, what your eyes see is a gateway to your soul, if that is true, what are your eyes watching? What are your eyes looking at? What are you feeding your soul into? If, if hearing is a census, what are you listening to? What's coming in your ears? What's coming in your ears? And and and. If, if taste and smell and all those things, the things come out, what are you saying that ends up coming into your ears? Because what you say ends up going straight to your soul. That's why it's important at the young age what you tell little children. Scripture says train them up in the way they should go, and, they, and when they get older, they shouldn't depart. That's why it's important as parents that you speak life into your kids at a young age because what you're speaking in when someone says to a, something to a poor child that they're, they're not smart and, and, and they don't look very nice, that goes and deposits into their soul and they begin to believe that when they get older. And if you haven't dealt with the soul, that means if you haven't really worked on those things, you'll believe that lie all the way to your 35. Because you haven't plowed the soul. Because we have an unplowed field in the soul. Wow. So, so, so that's how the soul really begins to work. And so the scripture ends up saying this. Do not walk by the flesh, but walk by the spirit. 
so you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. So we have a flesh and a spirit battle. So the flesh in the biblical terms is another word for body and another word for your senses. So we have a flesh and a spirit. He says, don't walk by the, the flesh, but walk by the spirit. Who is he talking to? He's talking to your soul. He's talking to your soul. So it's so important that we understand the soul is our will, our mind, and our emotions. This is so important. This is so big for me in my faith. Now, sometimes we take this to way, as believers, we take this to extreme. We should never look at this, and we should never listen to this. But the question is, what is already cultivated? For me, when I became a believer, one thing I really, I began to understand, I said this on Wednesday night, was the, the, that, that was really feeding into my faith, because faith comes my hearing. My faith was all developed by the music I listened to. Because everything I began to listen to, I remember I was listening to uh, uh, Jay-Z Adams had Kingdom Come. And I remember in the middle of the verse, he says, uh, he said, uh, oh, he said this. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the guy. I'm going to be the one that walks on water. He said, basically, I'm Jesus. I'm walking on water. That's what he said in that verse. I don't think he meant it. I don't know what his intentions was, but that's just what happened. He said, and then all of a sudden, that verse hit me. I'm like, Wow, what am I really putting in my ears? Now, here's what I'm not saying, that I don't ever listen to rap music. That's not what I ever saying. What I'm saying is I needed for myself a season to be able to clear my soul from that. So I took a season to clear all that out so I could refresh my soul and put some more in that are more things that are from God's word. I had to put God's word in because my faith was coming from the music put in the scripture where my faith began to develop in, in, in scripture and therefore I had to spend a season where I couldn't even listen to it for a season so I could develop the soul man and the spirit man on the inside and now I got to a state of maturity where I feel wholeness in that so when I listen to it now it's not a problem for me because it doesn't affect my soul because my soul is spirit up, filled up with the word of God so my question what, what do we need to plow what do we need to plow what do we need How is this biblical, Cameron? How is this biblical? Jesus talks about this. And Jesus explains this very idea in a parable. In a parable. Go with me real quick to Matthew 13, 3 through 9. And this, this is a parable that to me I was always struggling with until we bring the, 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 uh, the added um, um, revelation of the soul. Now that you know what the soul is, let's read this scripture with this context. And let's see how you receive this scripture now. Real quick. Matthew 13, 3, 9. This is a scripture that you've heard so many times if you've been in the church and all. If it's your first time, I'm so glad I get a chance to introduce it to you. But read this scripture with the context of the soul. What you know now about the soul. Here's what it says. Then Jesus told them a parable. Then he told them many things a parable, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plant were scorched. And, the, and, and they withered because they had no root. 
Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil, where it produced crops 160, 30 times and was, and was sown. And here's one of my favorite part, my favorite saying Jesus ever says. Whoever has the ears to hear, let them hear. <laughs> and you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? What I love about Jesus is he's a great illustrator. And he would speak to people in their language. And so most likely they were probably, a lot of historians say, they probably were walking past the farm. And he began to explain the kingdom of heaven through the farm. And isn't that a great illustrator that Jesus does, that he can take anything and he can explain things by things that we can see. And he does this for our behalf. But the way he says this, he gives no really deep insight to it. He just says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is like, Jesus is, Jesus is not a great, what we would call a great pastor. <laughs> let me just say, it. Jesus would say a statement and like, all right, y'all, church is over. He's out. Maybe y'all would call him to him a great pastor because church will be done like 1135. Worship's over. Let me read this. All right, whoever has ears to hear. Y'all good? Got to go. All right. That's Jesus right there. <laughs> we are wrong because we try to explain everything away for you. Let me make sure you get this point. Let me make sure you get this and get this. But Jesus later on, what he wants his true desire is for those that really care to come ask him questions. I think that's a beautiful thing about Jesus. Jesus will throw things in our life and be like, I don't understand that. And some people are like, okay, moving on. Football's starting. Let's go. And some people are like, man, I really want to know more about that. And they begin to go back to Jesus. What does this mean? What does this, mean? this is what the disciples did. They went back to Jesus and they said, what does this mean? So here's what we need to know. This is called, the, the, a lot of authors wrote this as the parable of the sower. I think this is the parable of the soil, the parable of, of the sower. Yes, the, I know what I get of the parable of the sower because Jesus sows the seed. The seed represents the what? Word of God. So Jesus is throwing seeds like a farmer would do. He's throwing seeds because he wants the seeds to grow in the ground, and he's taking the seeds like Johnny Appleseed and throwing them. And throwing the seeds, and he's throwing them out. And he says the seeds land all over the place. So what he's saying, the, the pastor, the preacher just throws a seed. He just speaks the word of God. He speaks the word of God. He's just speaking the word of God. But all you guys are the soil. It lands wherever it lands. And it says some of the grounds it lands on is a path, on the path. And it's a hard path like cement. Some of the ground it lands on is rocky. Some of the ground it lands on has thorns in it. But some of the seeds land on good, good soil. So he begins to explain this parable of the different soils and the different sounds. So the story teaches us that if we have, not, we have not prepared an environment for the seed to grow, then the seed will not grow deep roots. And the question becomes in this parable, what kind of environment have you created for the seed? And it's saying that your soil must be cultivated if the seed is able to grow deep roots. I really believe, after understanding what the soil, soul is, that the soil represents the soul. And the question is, as believers, that we have you cultivated your soul? 
Because depending on the environment that you created in your soul determines whether you're going to receive God's word. And more importantly, whether that word of God is going to grow on the inside of you or not. So what is the condition of your soul? Because the condition of your soul matters. It matters. Why, why does it matter? Because it's like the one person who hoards, who has a hoarding issue. They have too much stuff in their soul and too much stuff that the environment that they created will not allow the seed to grow because there's too much stuff in there. And the condition of your soul is like the hoarder. If you have all this stuff in your soul and that you've been receiving from your senses and this from your senses, and if that stuff is more than the senses that you've been receiving from God, then guess what? What is your soul going to decide to do when it comes down to it? It's going to follow whatever dog's feeding them. So the condition of your soul matters. And Jesus says there's four different conditions of your soul. He says, he says later on, he tells them that the, the path of the hard ground, they don't, they don't understand God's word because the evil one comes, snatches it away as soon as it hits their hearts. Why does the evil one snatch it away? Because he says their, 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 their soul is so hard. And there's nothing to pull from it. So when they receive the word of God, they don't have any understanding of it. Because why? There's nothing put in ever. There's nothing put into it. That's why it's so important what we do back there in the kids' ministry. It's the one of the number one most important things we do. I'm so proud of all our teachers that sign up back there. Because it is the number one most important thing we do. Why? Because we're depositing things into their soul. So as they get older, when they hear something, the Holy Spirit will uh, bring that word back to the remembrance, and it will connect with that and be able to receive that and be like, oh, I know where that's from. I don't know how it got there. I don't remember every Sunday school class. I don't remember those classes. But something tells me that this is on the inside of me, and something tells me when I receive this, man, this is good. Because it's in the soul. And, but the path that's never heard the word of God or anything else like that, man, it's hard because they never, there's no foundation there. But here's the good thing about the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates. It slices, even dividing the soul and the spirit. That's what the word of God does. The word of God will get in there if you allow it. So the path is the one who, who doesn't want to receive this, receive the word. They hear the word of God and it just doesn't hit. It doesn't hit at all. It just lands on hard ground. And then it says, Jesus says, here's the other person. They have a rocky soil, a soil, a soil that is shallow. This is a seed that on, falls on rock ground to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, the word, they quickly fall away. This is a person who, who, whose, whose faith is dependent on their circumstances. But whenever trouble 
and persecution comes or trials or when it gets hard and we walk in with Jesus, but now it's getting hard, man, they're going to easily back away because why? There's no root that begins to sink in because we begin to fill our soul that we get a chance to worry about so much trouble that this is trouble. I got this bill problem. I got this problem. I ain't got time for Jesus today. I got to do this to this, do this, do this, do this, do this. I got all this onto my to-do list. There's no way I got time to fit Jesus in. And it says, the word of God that you receive has no root and has no place to grow deep roots because you're too worried about all the circumstances in the life. The next one he describes is a place of thorns. And he says this one about the thorns. He says, the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke up the word. That you are so worried, you got your soul filled up with so much worry, so much anxiety, so much, uh, I don't know what's going on, that when the word begins to grow, it chokes out the word of God. Man, what's your soul look like on the inside? Is there a lot of worry there? Is there a lot of anxiety there? Man, are, are you constantly trying to fix your to-do list that you're, with the troubles of your world? Man, God says that's not an environment where his word can grow, where his word can go. Man, that means we got some plowing to do in our soul. We got some plowing. And then Jesus said there's a good soil that goes down and grows deep roots. Come on up, Jeremy. There's good soil. And he said, here's the thing about the good soil. When your word is spoken, not only will it grow, but it will multiply. It will multiply. It will multiply. Have you ever seen someone who who grew in Christ and it just begins to move super fast and just grow and they get it? Man, that's because when that word hits, they got good soil and it will begin to multiply fruit. And guess what? The fruit begins to move and operate in other people's lives and they begin to speak in other people's lives and they grow fruit there and they just see the evidence of God. But the reason that we lack the evidence or lack the fruit of God is because we won't do any plowing on the inside plowing on the inside. Last scripture for today, or one more scripture, one or two. <laughs> Jeremiah says this, Jeremiah 4, 3 says this, this is what the Lord says to the men of Judah and to Jerusalem, break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among thorns. Jeremiah's word is to break up the unplowed ground to go do the hard work of cultivating your soul, of do the hard work, break it up, break it up, break it up, do some inner work. Where, where am I at? Where, man, how am I in on the, on the inside? Man, do I, do I have a lot of anxiety over the situation? Am I struggling with this? It says break up the hard ground. But then it says this, after you cultivated good ground and good soil, he says don't go through thorns. Don't go through seeds of thorns. Sometimes what happens is we do the hard work of cultivating soul and what takes place is after we've done the hard work we self-sabotage ourselves because we're good now we're good now and then we begin to take seeds of thorns and begin to throw that back into the soul isn't that crazy this last story I want to share I've shared this before, but I think it's so good to this point. And it's the ancient story of 
the unfilled man who could never find purpose. And legend tells it that this man had everything that he desired. He had all the money and all the riches that he could have anything at the snap of his finger and he could have whatever he wanted at any moment that he wanted, but something missing in his life. And so he begins to search all, all the, the uh, best teachers and all the theologians and all the smartest people and, and he ends up going to uh, uh, heard about a mountain of a guy, a monk on a mountain that had a lot of wisdom. And he climbs up to the monk. And he's climbing this mountain. And he reaches the monk. And he tells him his situation. And he tells him that I have everything that I want, but I still feel unfulfilled on the inside. And so the monk gives him a mirror. And he looks at the mirror and says, what do you see? He says, I see myself. That's precisely. He says, I don't get it. He says, what do you see? I see myself. He says, precisely. Then all of a sudden, he noticed a big window right next to him, and he saw the most beautiful garden, the most beautiful garden with all the flowers and the trees, and everything is trimmed, and everything's cut, and there's so many beautiful colors in this garden. And, and, and as he looks his head towards the garden, the, the, the man says, what do you see out there? He says, I see a garden. He says, precisely. And here he is. He's, he's conflicted between the mirror and the garden. The mirror and the garden. And the legend has it that the man understood. Tell him. What was the monk trying to tell him? See, he spent so much time on the external, on what you look like and what you see. But the real work is in the garden. The real work is in the garden. The real work is on the things on the inside that we cannot see. The man understood. He knew he had everything. But he's never done any internal work on the garden and on the inside. And that's us. We can do so much work on the external. But how's your garden in your soul? How's your garden in your soul? Scripture says it like this. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit their soul? forfeit soul. How is your soul? Is it well with your soul? Can you do an honest assessment with your soul during this season and just say, where am I? Let me just do a soul check. I haven't plowed the ground lately. <laughs> I don't even want to look inside there. Who wants to go and see this deep roots? But it's important to God because he wants us to, he wants to work through you and through you. He wants you to be blameless, body, spirit, and soul. Oh, my soul longs for you, oh Lord. That's my desire.
I want my soul to be in line with the Father. So I invite you on a serious journey to do some soul work on the next month to begin to allow yourself to look within. And it might be a hard process and it might be tough, but guess what? We're going to get through it together because we're going to do the plowing or cultivating of the soul, walking stepped towards maturity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, this journey is just beginning. God, we pray that you would uh, meet us right where we're at. God, I pray that we don't try to rush this process and fix it all in one day or one Sunday. But God, we would take our time and allow the Holy Spirit to really enter in and search out our soul. And God, I pray that you would reveal those, those dark spots and bring those to light. God, I pray that you would, things that we have overlooked through our childhood, that you would bring it to, our, our, to the light. And God, we may be able to speak to that thing. And God, you would be able to heal in us in that area. For your desire is that we would be made completely whole. And so God, I just pray that over each and every person in this place. Complete wholeness. Complete wholeness. Steps towards maturity. God, we love you. We honor you. And we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. We allow the Holy Spirit to minister you during this time in this song. Amen.
exalt your name. We exalt your name, O oh Lord. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be praised, O oh God. God, let my soul exalt your name, O oh God. Let my body and soul and spirit be one that I'll say all praises to the King, all praises to the King, all praises to the King. Lord, during this season, we will not be afraid to look within. For God, we know that you are with us. You are with us. You will walk this journey with us, oh God. You will not leave us stranded, stranded to go back and open up different things that we can't handle. But God, you are walking with us through this journey. God, we thank you, Lord. I thank you so much, Holy Spirit, that you're beginning this work in us. We love you, God. We honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Don't just be a hearer of the word, but be a doer. Go in peace. We love you. God bless. Amen.